Are you saying that I can never get a job anywhere at any other SaaS company unless it has to do with the subject matter I know today? If we kind of reverse this idea, we're kind of creating a pathway to turn domain experts who have been in a specific industry for a long time into CS generalists for the future. Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Catalyst recently released a controversial ebook tackling the most widely debated topics among customer success leaders. One of those topics was whether core customer success skills are more or less important than subject matter expertise when it comes to being a top performing CSM. Here with me today, I have two brilliant customer success leaders who found themselves on opposing sides for this argument. Alex Farmer is Vice President of Customer Success at Cognite AS, and Shari Shrebnik is the Head of Client Success at Search Metrics. They're here to have a friendly debate and possibly find some common ground that can help settle the controversy. I thought the best way would be to start off by defining what we're arguing, because I've been seeing so many debates where people just are arguing about nebulous things. And to have any sort of good discussion, you have to know what you're talking about. So, Shari, why don't I call on you to start? Can you define what core customer success skills are? Sure. I mean, I think these are going to be, let me start by saying these are going to be probably a bit subjective, you know, and some people might add or remove a few. But for me and what I look for, if I'm going to hire somebody, understanding if they have any kind of empathy, I want to see critical thinking skills, problem solving. Can you strategize? You know, how would you handle a difficult conversation or a difficult situation? Do you have examples of that? Those to me are really important. Like I said, the critical thinking of of all and If we're in an interview, do you ask good questions? Because that is also a huge deal. Do you know how to dig deeper? And are you, or are you just so quick to get out an answer to a question without maybe asking more questions in return, whether you need more context or clarity or define, you know, dig a little deeper? So those are, to me, some of those um, core CS skills that you should have. Awesome. I remember you telling me, I think the first time we spoke that you ask applicants how many quarters can fit on the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that. We do questions in that vein. That was one that was specifically asked of me. I will say, pat myself on the back. I got it right, but it wasn't a point. It wasn't the point. I want to see how you think. So when I walked through it, it was, okay, what's the distance of the Golden Gate Bridge? We settled on, let's say it's a mile. Okay, a mile's 5,280 feet. Sorry, metric system friends. <laughs> how are we lining them up? Are they standing up and back to back or are they flat? Because then right. what's the width of a, how many fit, get out a ruler, how many quarters fit in an inch or a foot? Right. Multiply. Like, so it's taking that question. I've heard questions like, how many beds are there in the United States? Okay, that's a good and one. And you can see if people are going to get flustered or do you count hotels? Do you count furniture stores, apartment buildings? home. So you start asking questions. I don't care if we ever get to the answer. In a lot of cases, you can't. But I want to see how you think and the type of questions you ask and how you would try to get to the root of that problem. Uh, You definitely wouldn't hire me. I would probably just say more than 50 (laughs) or something like that. And then like, great, next question. Nailed that one. (laughs) Alex, the other side of the argument, subject matter expertise. Can you define what that is in this context? From my perspective, the most important thing is when we're hiring, we're looking, I look for three things. You know, there's the key skills and the overview of, you know, ability to think critically and just kind of general personal comportment. 
when I'm looking for kind of more technical or kind of away from just the personality test side of interviewing, looking for three things, right? Ability to understand technology, so technical expertise. We don't need to code, but we need to be able to break down technical problems, translate the technical to the value, Hmm. right? And bridge that gap is so important. Look for commercial acumen, right? Ability to kind of lean into those tough conversations if required um, and, you know, find the expansion opportunities, et cetera. But the one for me that I really found is the most important driver is this domain expertise and the ability to, I think, speak credibly to a customer. And, you know, as part of my interview, I I might have to steal the Golden Gate quarter question. Uh, We do case studies as well, and maybe we can get into that today. But I think the most important thing that I want to do is I want to understand from the CSM their ability to get into a room, maybe with an angry customer, maybe with a customer in a tough situation, or a customer, you know, who just signed a big million dollar contract and is really apprehensive and just like facilitate a deep breath of relaxation, right? How, what's your story when you go speak to this customer that makes them think, okay, I'm in good hands. You understand my pain. You understand where I've been. And for me, domain expertise really is a shortcut to that, uh, especially, you know, being in the startup space, we need to get you in front of customers very quickly, a little bit less time for onboarding. So how can you, with credibility, establish a relationship as soon as possible and then get to work on getting value, which is why I think we lean into that domain subject matter expertise uh, a bit more heavily. But wait, Alex, wouldn't you say that technology acumen and commercial acumen kind of falls into core CS skills rather than subject matter? Because I think that's applicable to anything. Uh, the cross-examination, love it. It's begun. Uh, I totally agree. <laughs> We're just at intros, sorry. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're ready. I'm ready too. I'm, I'm absolutely. I think my, you know, for me, it's that see, core CS skills are not unimportant. I just think that when I, when I think about it, especially with the company I'm at today, Cognite, and other companies I've, I've led CS teams at, which one can you live without, and which one can you teach? And and my observation is that domain expertise takes longer, especially in kind of the more complex domains that uh, maybe aren't as kind of simple to pick up. I lead a customer success team of which I'm not a domain expert, so I'm kind of going through that journey myself today. So they're both important, but the way I kind of evaluate where I land in this big debate is which one takes longer to teach, which one is harder to train for. And in my kind of experience, the customers we engage with, domain expertise is much more challenging. So, you know, let me know if you're listening or if you know these people, the people who have like maximum competency on all three of those areas. For me, you know, if we have to have two of three, domain expertise has to be one. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I approach this one. I will agree to a certain extent. So for example, the company that I work for, Search Metrics, we're a global SEO and content marketing software. So I do want someone with core CS skills, especially if you're in your senior role. If it's a little less senior, coaching and development can come from me for sure and from your peers and learning from them. Subject matter expertise is important. You can't not know anything about SEO and organic search and content and that kind of situation. You do have to have some knowledge of it because it will be, if you know nothing, it will be incredibly difficult to pick up, especially with some of the people that you're going to be talking to. So in that case, yes. But for example, like I hired someone last year who who was a senior person and had way more core CS skills than subject matter expertise. I think it took her a little bit longer, but at the same time, She jumped in and I made sure that her book of business gave her the ability to get to that point with established customers and even with newer customers that I knew would be a different situation. And 
she's still here a year later. So, you know, I can see the arguments for both sides, but I, I do think, I guess it really depends on what your business is and what level you're bringing that CSM in at. Totally agree. One of the things I want to dig deeper into is something, Alex, you brought up before, which is which is easier to teach. So when we talk about core CS skills like empathy, critical thinking, things like that, versus domain expertise, like if you're in finance or you know SEO or health tech or something like that, where it's a very technical or specific domain that, that your customers have probably spent 10, 20 years learning. I can see that definitely there's a big amount of learning that we need to take place. But I guess what I'd love to know is how would you go about teaching those soft skills that I think a lot of us would kind of just consider innate in people? I don't want to imply through this conversation is that, you know, if you don't have any basic CS soft skills, so to speak, that you're going to get hired, right? I mean, that's just not going to happen. I think for me, you know, the way I interpreted this question is, is both, you know, this, the kind of core soft skills for that require, that are required for a CS, but also this idea of customer success experience. For me, when I look at this question, is it someone who has a proven track record of customer success soft skills? versus someone who has a proven track record of domain expertise. And that's why I very much kind of come down on the domain expertise side of this argument. To answer your question, how you train, I think the premise of the question is interesting because I work at data ops platform for heavy asset industry. So our customers are oil and gas, power and utilities, and manufacturing clients with a high degree of complexity. Essentially, we're helping them do their digital transformation, right? So there's a, again, maybe you can tell why I kind of believe, believe what I believe based on my surroundings. But we're ultra high touch. So there's also this concept of like training and time, right? If you have a hundred customers, the ability for me to, to work with you to kind of coach and train every, you know, before a big executive business review, well, there's a hundred, right? Cause you have a hundred EBRs to do versus you have five and it's a much kind of more intimate model where you're, you're diving a lot deeper with these customers and we can kind of coach more on the finer points and, and even bring a team together. Right. You know, you have the customer success role, you have the professional services team, um, account management roles all aligned around, you know, these account teams all aligned around customer. So I guess to really kind of boil it down and then I will answer your question, this, this concept of how much time do you have in between key customer touch points to strategize and think about how you approach the challenge, I think, is a big factor in this. How you train. I mean, a lot of it's kind of on the job shadowing, I think, and kind of we're doubling our team in size by the end of this year, uh, the end of 2020, and uh, then need to double the team again in 2021 to keep up with our growth. And for me, the most important thing is getting people into the business, investing in an onboarding program, and then learn by doing in the startup environment. So how do you train this core CS skills? I think a lot of it is almost like a little bit of role playing and talking through, you know, the reason I asked this question when I got this objection was because of this and really kind of teasing out what maybe are not things that maybe the CSM isn't particularly self-aware about yet, but starting to kind of narrate very deliberately how we approach situations before we let them independently run uh, with our customers, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think, yeah, some interesting points. So the time between meetings gives you more time to strategize, shadowing, you can learn some of this stuff, and also larger teams, like if they're working in pods or, you know, there's multiple people involved, there might be other folks who maybe are better at presenting or maybe have some of those other skills that can help compensate or coach um, to better prepare that person who's maybe more of a domain expert. Sorry, one of the points that 
came up in the book a lot was that, or that people reiterated on this this point was that if CSMs don't have those core CS skills, it can put the business at risk. Why do you think that? Is that something you agree with? And, and why do you think that's the case? Well, I think, I mean, for so many of the things we've already mentioned in this conversation, ability to, I think Alex said this earlier about walking into the room and instilling confidence in a client. Because if you think about it, and I've said this before, and I think the original quote is attributed to Lincoln Murphy, the seeds of churn are sown at onboarding. You've got to have someone that's going to instill confidence from the beginning, and that can put the business at risk because you can already set some up for churn if you don't have a good kickoff, right? And, and that part of the customer journey where it's moving from sales into customer success. So I think having those skills, being able to instill confidence, build trust, establish that relationship is huge and makes a big difference, especially in those very early stages. Ability to handle a difficult conversation. If someone's irate, even if they're completely wrong, you can't tell them that. How do you manage conflict? If they have a request and they're frustrated, again, it's asking good questions. I think people, no matter what in life, want to professional, personal, just human beings want to feel seen and heard. How do you make them? How do you do that? And that comes from also having empathy. Again, empathy isn't something you can teach. You either have it or you don't. I think you can maybe start to learn to do things in your life to make you maybe more compassionate, which can lead to that, but it's hard. And like I said, that can put your business at risk, not having some of those skills. Can you work on that with people? Sure. Can they observe it in role-playing? Like one of the things we do when you start with us is, for the first week or two, you're going to shadow the CSMs on all of their calls from the smallest customer, meaning the one that is like super low touch and doesn't pay us a lot of money to someone where we, you know, a large key or enterprise account that had, we have multiple teams and we talk to 20 people and there is a lot of, and we have professional services involved. So seeing the nuances and how those conversations go so you can start to understand that the questions you're going to hear and the conversations that you're going to have. Because to be perfectly honest, no matter what industry you deal with, e-com, media and publishing, finance, when it comes to SEO, the questions and those types of things are very similar. I think that's a good point on the domain expertise side as well, right? It might be a challenge to learn it, but once you've learned it for for one customer, you've probably learned it for most. The same lingo is going to keep coming up. It's an interesting comment, Ben, because I think for us and our customers, you know, digital transformation is such a broad thing, right? And for us, you know, we're not solving a very kind of point problem or talking. I guess what we're kind of landing on is the repeatability or diversity of business problem as a factor in kind of the right balance here. And for us, there's a huge diversity in the business problems we solve because digital is such a, you know, broad concept, right? You know, the way we engage our customers, you can almost look at it a little bit, you know, more on the consulting side of customer success. So kind of talking more about the value and about the overall vision and working with them to kind of scope out the the different digital use cases that we're going to deliver or enable them to deliver. And to be able to kind of really, you know, let's use a kind of cliche analogy about a car, right? Who's going to be driving? What the balance is of who's driving versus who's in the passenger seat helping to navigate? Right. For us, we're a little bit more on the they're asking us to take a more leading kind of driving role with how we work with our customers. And I think for that, the requirement of domain expertise and that credibility, given the technicality of our industry, you know, just becomes so important. And again, the thing that you can't live without. But I think the thing that I'm that I'm hearing in this conversation is that kind of 
the breadth of use case or the, the diversity of, of business challenge uh, as a factor in kind of where we're landing in this discussion, right? Definitely. And one of the points, Shari, you made that, that jumped out at me was you mentioned conflict resolution. And that made me think of, okay, if, you, if I'm presenting to a customer and that customer doesn't like what I'm saying or they get you know ticked off at something, it doesn't matter if I've had you know three months to prepare the best DBR in the world. Now I'm on the spot. I've got the spotlight on me. I've got a customer in front of me who's not happy with me. And if I'm not really perceptive and quick on my feet, I might get flustered. I might lose the confidence of that customer, which could put the business at risk. Right. That can be tough if you're not, if you're not experienced and you also lose, you lose confidence in your, you take things too personally. They're not mad at you. They're never mad at you, but you're the person that they're, they're directing it towards. Yes. So if you keep that in mind, and then you are also not responsible for their emotions you can handle it with a little bit more confidence and you just have to remain calm. Mm -hmm. You can't escalate yourself to their level because that's just not going to help in any, even in personal life. I can tell you personally (laughs) that that does not work. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you've ever done that before. Never, ever, ever, ever. I'm very calm at all times. I'm from New York. Never. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Can't wait to move there. Another angle to this that, that we've been discussing that I think domain expertise is actually where I would fall on that side is, is earning the, the trust of the customer. I was in a, a health, health tech company role before working directly with cardiac surgeons and brain surgeons, and all that kind of stuff. I knew nothing about healthcare and health tech and hospitals. And I was great at, you know, building rapport, presenting all that fun stuff. But I was Googling things during meetings all the time, pretending like I was just like I knew what I was talking about. And it took me a long time before I, they trusted me as a human. Like if I didn't know the answer, I'd give them a, you know, don't know the answer for you right now. I'll find out, let you know tomorrow kind of thing, which they were fine with. But it took a while before I could be really that trusted advisor where I was so knowledgeable about what I was saying about the product and the industry that I could just spur the moment. Here's what you should be doing. Here's how you should be operating your, you know, your patient engagement practices and blah, blah, blah. So I think the domain expertise would have really come in handy. I was able to get by, but could I have done better earlier on if I'd had more domain expertise? I definitely think so. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm not dis- I'm not going to totally disagree with it. But I also think when you start a new job, you're going to say, I don't know, for a couple of months. And I think you have to be okay with that. Be comfortable with it. Because every time you say, I don't know, I'll find out, you've now learned something else that you don't have to ask again. And you know something for the next time. I mean, no one knows everything. I mean, let's look at what's happening in the world of science today. They look what they've learned in 10 months about something we knew nothing about prior. So I think that you can, if you think about that, you're always learning. And every day you pick something else up, whether it's from someone else, from, you know, you learn something in a conversation with your customer that you can use going forward. So you're never going to know everything. Like knowledge is not finite. So I think we have to keep that in mind and also not be so hard on ourselves when we don't know something. I would rather you have the humility and the, the ability to say, I don't know, than make something up that's not entirely true because that's going to get you in trouble down the line. That's one. Domain expertise, like I said, I think in certain situations, I agree. Do I think you have to know it 100%? No. Again, we can we can certainly teach you that shadow CSMs on their calls shadow salespeople on their prospecting calls so you can hear it when they're first having these initial conversations. Learn from the both sides of things. And also as a CSM, you have to do due diligence before getting on a kickoff call. 
So you're going to also learn about them. All of these things are going to happen. But the reason that I also am a little wary of saying subject matter expertise is more important, because then you're going to pigeonhole yourself. Are you saying that For example, Alex, if I worked on your team, I can only ever work in that industry. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you move jobs? Because customer success is not industry specific. It's even moving outside of SaaS. But if we're keeping it within SaaS, then are you saying that I can never get a job anywhere at any other SaaS company unless it has to do with the subject matter I know today? That's how do you do that? My core CS skills are what got me this job. I agree with a lot of what you said here. My thinking to to that last point is that if we're hiring for subject matter expertise first, we're probably hiring people that haven't been CSMs before. So actually, if we kind of reverse this, this idea, we're, we're kind of creating a pathway to turn domain experts who have been in a specific industry for a long time into CS generalists for the future, right? So I, so I think you know, there's, there's kind of two sides of that coin, which is helpful, right? Giving people the ability to kind of migrate from a specific industry into customer success based on their experience kind of sitting at this intersection of domain and CS. I do, again, think that kind of the technical complexity is a big factor here as it comes to kind of admitting that you don't know the answer. There's also the, the customer, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the, the who's driving, right? And if we have a relationship with a customer where they're expecting us to drive the vision a little bit more than kind of maybe on that side of the spectrum, driving the vision for the customer, we obviously need to come to that situation with more background knowledge and more ability to, instead of learn, of course, we need to have our ears open and learn from the customer. But if we know the domain, and we're demystifying, for example, in our in, in our industry, we're demystifying digital for, for these companies, then we need to teach as well. We need to teach pretty early on because that's why they've engaged with our company in the first place. And I think the, the, the higher the technical kind of barrier for understanding, the further someone you know who's leading with their C, core CS skills instead of subject matter expertise, the further they have to go before they maybe feel confident to start to do some teaching. Right. So like, you know, if they're entering with kind of a base level of knowledge of the domain, kind of, I don't know, use 100 percent spectrum. Right. So they're interesting 10 percent understanding of the domain to get that extra 90 percent or to get to close to, to kind of, quote unquote, knowing the domain is going to take a long time, which then means the value we're providing to the customer as a CSM takes a lot of longer time to materialize. And that would expand the onboarding uh, process for the CSM as well. So, you know, I think I think there's something, again, around the, the breadth of technical knowledge or the domain specificity to get these people up to speed, to feel confident, to proactively suggest things as opposed to kind of taking things away. And of course, you know, I, I don't mean to, to discredit people's needing to always learn knowledge not being finite, but, but where that balance is and if it harms credibility, I think is an important thing for this conversation. You mentioned your company's doubling in the next like three weeks and then doubling again in next year. Does it make it hard to hire if you're looking for these very specific skills and domain expertise or domain expertise and then skills? You queued me up, I guess, for the public service announcement. If you like what you hear, uh, get in contact, <laughs> right? We're hiring. Um, no, so yes, yes, absolutely it does. And I think, you know, the other challenge for us is that we're working with these heavy asset industries that I mentioned before that maybe are not as familiar with software as a service relationships. Mm-hmm. And customer success is a domain. So we're looking for this like holy grail of CSMs from industries that don't really have CSMs, right? Which again, you can probably tell why if you can only have one, for us, it's more important to to teach CS because the talent pool is much richer for domain experts. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example, right? Like a digitalization manager at a manufacturing company for me is like who demonstrates, yes, some core CS skills in the interview process is a perfect candidate because they can sit in front of this customer 
literally having been in their shoes, struggling to work with their organization to migrate, you know, to go paperless or, you know, to provide the smart maintenance solutions so that they don't have to shut the factory down for two days when the part breaks. They can see that it's that it's corroding and replace it before the factory has to shut down. Right. Right. So those stories to kind of help drive the customer are just so let's use a word that maybe we weren't planning to use on a podcast. So magical uh, for, for, our, for our customers to have. And I think hopefully that's a bit more context um, as to why, you know, this is so important for us. Question though. So it sounds like, like you said, you're kind of, you can be in between the core CS skills and domain expertise. And for you, especially at your role in your company, it's a little bit more subject matter heavy, right? Interesting. Cause you said one of your ideal positions like you would hire from would be that digital manager or something. And that's interesting because we know a lot of people are looking to make a transition into CS that weren't in CS before. And I think there are a lot of roles that you can maybe move seamlessly in and out of. Do you, in your in your job recs, when you put it out there, do you ever say, you know, roles that could transition into something like this easily and, and give people, because I think you, because I feel like you would get more applicants that way than just people are like, I don't know CS, so I wouldn't apply for this. And then you lose the people that you're looking for because of that. Yeah, so yes, totally. I, I actually, ironically, just got off an interview before we've jumped on here. And I have 37 pages of interview notes from the last month. And it's a lot. So we've been having a lot of conversations. And the majority of folks are excited about this prospect of kind of going from the client side, the customer side to the vendor side and kind of ready to make that transition. So, so yes, absolutely. You know, we are looking for and kind of targeting those folks that are kind of want to make up their first step in a customer success. And, and that's the thing, you know, just to that point that, that excites me so much about our industry you know, people ask me sometimes, you know, hey, how can I get into customer success? I see all this, you know, all this noise, you know, the amazing podcasts that exist. You know, I'm excited. I want to get in there. It goes back to that question I mentioned at the top. What's your credibility story, right? If you have been working in marketing, then why not be a CSM for a marketing tech company as your way to kind of kind of learn by doing and then start transitioning to kind of the wider CS space, you know, share to your point about the kind of directions of travel that we talked about a little bit, uh, talked about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's a great point. I, I, I think it's good advice generally if someone's getting to CS, you know, go with something you're familiar with or that you're passionate about. But one of the problems, so Sherry, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, is that, you know, I think in Alex's situation, you need someone very specific, very specific background, subject matter expertise. If you're prioritizing core CS skills, then your net can be very wide. If the most important thing is that they're a great communicator, they're empathetic, they're good at conflict resolution, you know, you could hire someone who was in fashion, health, finance, across the board. Do you run into a problem sometimes of casting too wide a net and getting too many applicants that it's kind of hard to figure out the best person for a role? That is an absolutely valid question and a very good one. Let's just say that when we look to hire, there is a balance in the job description. Obviously, I want all of those things and they're important. But we also talk about, you know, would be great if you had experience in SEO or digital marketing, you know, people from agencies that were account managers at agencies and now come in, they, they also have an understanding of the lay of the land and what people, what these people are thinking. And again, technical acumen is important. So there are specifics to help narrow that down. So I'm not getting, you know, a lion tamer coming in because he's got, you know, he also worked, he worked with people in Lions and he's got some transferable skills. Some major conflict resolution though, let me tell you. Uh, yes, absolutely. But, you know, we are, we are trying to narrow it down and 
digital experience of some kind, especially, like I said, digital marketing, SEO, great, but an understanding of this ecosystem and the types of things people talk about and the lingo and all of that kind of stuff is super helpful. So do I narrow it down and say, you have to have specific SEO experience? No, but I do need someone that understands the landscape of the industry and can speak to it. And you could have worked in different places. You could have been in sales, account management. Um, you could have been a marketer. You could have had roles where you were client facing, where some of those skills are innate anyway, but you have experience in that industry. You can start to, you can understand and anticipate what people are going to speak about. You can feel comfortable having those conversations. And then we can ramp you up more because it's not just learning more about SEO and content marketing. It's also understanding our software and our software can be complex. When like Alex, we're very high touch, at least here in the US, our European counterparts are a little bit different, but we are much more enterprise key account heavy in the US than we are in main, in Europe. So it's white glove, high touch. I, I need people to have have an understanding, but again, I haven't narrowed it so much where you need to absolutely have SEO knowledge. We can help get you there. I think I'm seeing some sort of trend. And as we arrive you know, towards the end, I want to pose a question to each of you that might clarify. So let's say uh, you're both evaluating a candidate and they've got some domain expertise and a lot of CS skills. What I'd like to know is for each of your businesses, how long do you expect that it would take that candidate to become a domain expert or become a trusted advisor at your company to the customer? It goes back to, you know, in our industry, the domain takes a lot longer to learn, right? So, you know, it's a tough question to answer because, Sherry, I think you're, you're, you might have the quote of the podcast about uh, knowledge isn't finite, I think it was, right? Um, and it's always expanding. The way I kind of would answer that question is like, when would you feel comfortable kind of letting them loose and running their own book of business and kind of independently operating? And, you know, for me, one of the things that I really like when I'm hiring is, yes, we do the traditional job description, but I also include a 30, 60, 90 day plan, right? Which is like, I think we've kind of gone a little bit too far into the fluffy language JDs that like take a bit of a, a beer or an advanced degree to kind of like translate the fluffy language into what the heck do I actually do all day, right? <laughs> or both. Yeah, or both, right? So the 30, 60, 90 day plan is really helpful to make it tangible for the candidate to make sure that they're interested in what it actually entails, but also fills out the onboarding plan as well. It ends at 90 days, not because I expect them to be fully independent and not asking for help, but that's when the shadowing will end. You know, so the way we focus on kind of the core CS, running an EBR, developing a customer success plan, you shadow for the first 30 to 60, and then you lead, but are shadowed by an experienced CSM for like 60 to 90 days, and then you're kind of off and running. So that's kind of the, the approach that we take. 90 days feels like a, a good time frame to sense check their ability to learn and continuously develop that knowledge. You know, that's what we're trying to uh, see in that, in that first, first quarter. I would agree. I think, um, like I said, we, the last time I hired someone was a year ago. Again, we're a small team. And fortunately, we have pretty good longevity with our teams and our company. I mean, yesterday was my five-year anniversary. So nice. yeah, I can't believe it's been five years. So that's a good thing. We are working towards in growth mode now. So I'm hoping that maybe next year I have to hire one or two more. 
but yes, 30, 60, 90 day plan. And I usually have it lined up. It's, you know, it's shadowing people. It's meeting people on the other teams and understanding who does what and what they're responsible for. Because I also think it's important, you know, what are the stakeholders you need to reach out to in your own company, not just at your client, right? Who do you go to for what? Who do you pull in? So understanding and meeting everybody you know, getting ramped up, understanding before we actually transition accounts to you and you have a book, let's take a look at those accounts, have that internal knowledge transfer with the other CSMs, take time before we, again, before you're even introduced, I want you to spend time reading over the notes, looking at their website, researching the company, understanding more about who they are. That is going to help you so much when you finally get into actually transitioning. And then again, by the end of the 90 days, you should be in your accounts, you should be starting to have those calls, um, and you should be starting to roll. I try not to give new accounts right away, maybe give them another month or two to start getting comfortable before they, because then before I give them a new account, and then when new things come in, I also want to see your ability to have that kickoff call and onboard, because that's going to be completely new. So I would say fully ramped up, I want to say after those initial 90 days, that first quarter, it could take a little bit longer, maybe six months. Because I know for me to really super feel comfortable with our software, it took longer than that. But you were you were still able to be in conversations and feel trusted. But I would say one quarter ramp up and then anywhere from maybe six to nine months to be like completely expert level. Okay. Great answers did not accomplish what I'd hoped it would. So let me boil something <laughs> down even further. Okay. On a scale of one to 10, one being an ice cream store and 10 being, I don't know, soldering wires on a nuclear missile. How complex would you rate your business? Would you rate the <laughs> domain that you're in? Uh, I'm going to go with eight. Okay. Maybe I need a few more benchmarks before I, before I feel <laughs> confident about that rating. All right, Shari, what about you? Probably about a seven or eight. Guys, you're not making this SEO, easy. I wanted to say the more complex your business is, the more domain expertise you need. But I guess we're just not going to arrive at that solution today. It's, you know, like I said, you, SEO is complicated and Google likes to change things every five minutes. True. So I would say maybe I would feel around a seven. And I just think it depends because there are different aspects of SEO. Like if you're talking to a very technical SEO versus a content marketer right. and that kind of stuff, it's it's different. So. I would say maybe around a seven. To improve your narrative, maybe I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll upgrade mine to an 8.5. Um, oh, okay, thank you so much. If, I appreciate that. If I could just offer, and you know, if you're rounding, then it's a nine. So there you go. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But you know, if I can kind of offer a slightly adjacent narrative, I, I think there's also a few factors. We talked about the kind of breadth of complexity. I guess breadth, not, not so much complexity, but, but breadth of use case or breadth of business goals or outcomes, right? Is it kind of, you know, there's very a finite number of business goals the customer would be trying to achieve or, or is it kind of a broader, you know, thing like digital transformation that can boil into very different use cases or outcomes? That to me, I think is a little bit of a factor. And then also like the expectation of the customer versus the CS team, who's going to be driving the relationship more, right? Are we providing value for the customer or are we focused more on enabling the customer to get their own value? Right. I think it may be another kind of factor in this based on what I've taken away from the conversation. There was some moments though, I'll tell you where I thought uh, <laughs> we're getting somewhere. You know, I might have to capitulate, but uh, I feel like we stayed in our lane pretty well. It's close. <laughs> I think we ended up meeting a lot more in the middle than we anticipated. Exactly. All right. I, I can accept that. That's the most customer success outcome I could probably uh, <laughs> probably hope for. Let's all just agree. 
No, thank you both so much for joining me today. This was educational. It was a lot of fun. Excited to continue debating these topics. Yeah, likewise, Ben. This was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit Catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You. P.S. I love you. <laughs>